Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. Good morning. How is everyone? Good. Good. Well, I'll tell you something. Last night, as we were going to bed, I looked at Elise. I said, you want to hear something funny? I have no clue what I'm saying tomorrow. (laughs) Woke up this morning, and it stayed that way, which is really fun. Um, Well, it's only half true. I know what I want to talk about, but I I don't know what I'm going to say. Um, So I'm going to throw some warning labels on this sermon. First, about me. I'm easily distracted by shiny objects, hence me giving away the thing that I was going to play with. Um, So, you know, typically a sermon is, is... Structured nicely, it kind of rolls like a flow chart. There's one point that leads to another and leads to another. Well, my brain works like a bubble map, okay? So I have idea here and then idea here and idea here and here, and hopefully somewhere along the way we're going to connect them all. You guys okay with that? Yes. Cool. Thanks for being responsive because it, and, and keep that up because it will help me know that you're keeping up with me. Otherwise, I, I'm going to think I'm out in la-la land and be trying to bring myself back. Well... I'm sure you guys can guess what we're going to be talking about today, and um, you know, if you've been here the last few weeks talking about stewardship and wealth and resources, and I want to continue that conversation because the Lord reminded me something today that I had forgotten, maybe you, maybe you didn't forget, which would be awesome, but um, toward the end of last year, toward the beginning of this year, um, the Lord was telling me that there were, there, there were two, two words that I would see in this, in this year, and one was health, and the other one was wealth, and I'm seeing a lot of health, I'm seeing a lot of healing happen, and so now I just, I'm like, okay, where's the other side of the coin? Here it comes, right? I'm believing for it, and so I want to be good stewards of it, and, and because of that, um, you know, seeking the Lord, it says that wisdom, wisdom comes from Him, and I, I'm seeking His Word because all throughout the Word, it teaches you how to, how to be a steward of wealth. And so I've tried to, in digging into that, I, I've, you know, I've asked to be able to come and, and to share it with this body because I want to see us all stepping into that. I want to see this uh, be a resourceful house and, and be full of people that are, that are stewarding it, right? So um, if, you, if you've been here, you, you're hearing me throw around a lot of words that, that I've been clear to define, so I'm just going to define them really quick. You know, you're going to hear me talk about wealth. Wealth is all the resources that the Lord puts in your possession, Right? Why do I say the Lord puts it in your possession? Because he owns everything. The Bible clearly says all the heavens and all the earth are his and everything that you have is given to you. Right? So that's your wealth uh, and, and obviously your resources. Your resources are everything he gives to you. You're going to hear me talk about money a lot and finance because uh, it's an easy example. But all the principles that I'm learning can be, can be used with any resource you have in your possession, including, you know, as simple as like the breath in your lungs, okay? So just so that we're all on that page, um, and, and what we're going to do, where we're going to start is, is where we started a few months ago, and that's, that's Luke 16, um, and then I am just leaning on the Holy Spirit, so good luck to me, right? All right, so Luke 16. And we start in verse 1. This is the parable of the unjust steward, also called the parable of the shrewd manager. Starting in verse 1. He, that he is Jesus, said to his disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, 
What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. So, of course, that was the first topic that we, we dug into as I, I've been up here giving you guys these like 10, 15 minute segments, maybe 20 minute, I don't know, uh, segments on, on, on stewardship. Is first, we have to recognize that we are a steward, right? And that's what I was just talking about. Everything in, in the earth is the Lord's. He's given it to you. Why? Because it's to benefit you. It's also to benefit others. And in order to do that, you must be a steward. Verse 3, then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? My master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig and I am ashamed to beg. I have resolved what I will do. That when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called everyone. See, there's that distraction again. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, I owe a hundred measures of oil. The steward said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? That debtor said, I owe a hundred measures of wheat. So the steward said to him, take your bill and write 80. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you true riches? Who will commit to your trust the true riches? If you have not been faithful with what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? There is no servant that can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So we're stewards. We're stewards of everything the Lord has given us. But the, the next thing we recognize comes more toward the end of this parable, speaking of the fact that it says, when you fail, right? Or earlier, the steward says to himself, what shall I do? My stewardship is being taken from me. So the next thing, we, the next thing that we talked about and, and we have to recognize is everything we're stewarding is temporary. Everything in this world, Jesus says, surely heaven and earth will pass away. And there's a new heaven and a new earth coming. I'm not going there this morning, but it's, it's a glorious place, and, and um, that's what my eyes are set on. And so we, we have to recognize that, that the wealth in our possession today is temporary. And when we do that, we begin to gain this godly wisdom to recognize that the, the, the things we have today aren't necessarily to be held on to, right? Because when we get there, they're going to be gone anyways. And so what Jesus says is he says to use, he says unrighteous mammon. That's those temporary resources, right? It, that, that word mammon can mean a lot more than that, and, and we may get into that today, but he says that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. So it's all about taking what is temporary and being able to invest it into that which is eternal, which of course is the kingdom of God, right? His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And uh, so the point of all that, the last few weeks, um, What's the, what, what was the point of all that? And, it, and it's this. 
and it's what, it's what has always caught my attention about this parable, is that, one, the master commended the unjust steward. He didn't say he punished him. Like, he dealt, like, very dishonestly. You know, I'm, I'm sure he didn't get to keep his job, but the master was at least impressed. Like, clever man, right? And then it's the next, it's the next part that, they, that gets me. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. It's very clear there the distinction Jesus is making, right? It's, it's not, you know, it's not a coincidence that he, he says the sons of this world and the sons of, this, and the sons of light, right? Because the sons of light, of course, are believers. The sons of this world are non-believers. And that's what, that's what would always mess with me about this verse. Um, because it says they, they deal more shrewdly in their generation, right? It doesn't say that the sons of the world in Jesus' generation were more shrewd. It says that they deal more shrewdly in their generation. And what, what gets me about that is I'm extremely competitive. If you didn't know it, uh, I like to turn things into competitions just to, just to try to win. Um, right? Yeah. I see Jeremy nodding his head. He knows. Um, and I don't like to lose. Not even a little bit. Man, it tears me up. And I have had to learn how to not be a sore loser. I've also had to learn how to be a, a humble winner. But I'm still growing in all of those. But I read this and, man... Good word, Jesus. Um, I feel like, you know, the UNC Tar Heels last night as they're walking in the locker room at halftime. Anybody who watched the game, they were down by four to their arch rival Duke. Anybody watch basketball? Am I just, like, speaking to the wall? Okay, good, right. I didn't see the game. I saw the highlights, though. And let me tell you something. Those Tar Heels came out of that locker room ready for war. Like, they were not going home. They were going to win. And so when I read this, Man, I come out of that locker room ready for war because I, ooh, I don't like that. I don't like to lose. And, and, and here's the thing. I recognize that this verse, as hard as it might be to swallow, this verse is true in our generation. And I'm going to go into that. Um, but just, just to touch on it for a minute, some of the wealthiest companies in this country, in the world, you know, you, you can name them off the top of your head. Amazon, Apple, Facebook, right? Some of the wealthiest people in this world, they, from what I know, they all have something in common. That is that they give. And they, most of them that are super wealthy are giving 10% of what they have coming in. Isn't that funny? They don't even, they don't even believe in the word, most of them. I'm not saying all of them. They, they you know... They're just living for themselves, and they're, and, they're, and they're living trying to build their own empire, right? They're not trying to build the kingdom, and yet they give. And what breaks my heart is that you give and you invest in what you believe in. And so that's why when I read this and I recognize that some of the wealthiest people in the, in the world and some of the wealthiest companies have, have understood this lot, and you want to know why they give? Most of them, yeah, it makes them feel good. Like we have this whole humanitarian generation that's, like, that, that's coming up and they want to do something bigger than just run a business. And I get that, but they also, they love the, the tax advantage. Like, 
I'm not joking. They really do. It's why they, it's why they give. And, um, or or it's, a big, it's a big reason why they like to give. Um, and, and, and it breaks my heart because they're going to give to the things that they believe in. So they're going to be, they're going to be investing into this world. And, and this world's temporary. So I sit back and I see them doing this. And not only is it, and not only is it investing further into things that, that I don't necessarily support, and, you know, I'm not trying to start a war. Like, we've got to walk in love, right? We just, just were talking about that. Um, but, oh, how do I say it, Holy Spirit? Sorry, I just have to listen for a second. Um, it is a hard truth just to, just to recognize. But they're, they're, sowing, they're sowing into things that we wouldn't sow into. And the reason we wouldn't sow into them is because we recognize that they don't lead to life. Like, that's what, that's what it's about. Like, like, it's not about, like, for me, it, it doesn't break my heart because of, of money, right? I mean, you, you, you all know me, you know, those who, those who have been here, you know me. Like, I could care less. Um, I, I don't care about wealth and riches and all these things. It's the people, right? It's the people. I want to see people come to know Jesus, right? Like, it says, blessed are all those who get invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And I want that table to be you can ask my wife. I like to party. I am the extrovert of extroverts. And, you know, having a few people around, I love it. It's fun. But there's a whole new side of life that comes out of me when there's just a ton of people around and we, we all love each other and we're celebrating the same thing. And so I can only imagine what that's going to be like in his kingdom. And, and I want to do what Jesus says here. I want to use unrighteous mammon to make friends for myself. That's it. Like that's the that, that's the goal. And and what I'm seeing is that what I'm seeing is that the the wealthy of this world and these companies they're 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 pouring. They're first off they're they're bringing resources into themselves. They they they've recognized how to create wealth, and then they're taking that and they're and they're sowing it into things that that won't necessarily lead people to that place you know leading them away from the party and I ain't for that um and you guys know I don't like to lose I just said that and so this is this is really my motivation and it's what it was what it's you know it's what really drove me to want to 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 preach from this parable is is to recognize that they're more shrewd in their generation and and there's a difference we're gonna get here in just a second there's a difference between shrewdness and wisdom know that because when I first read this, I was like, man, the sons of light need to learn how to be shrewd, right? We need to become more shrewd. And then um, I had this conversation with Elise. I'm like, what is this word shrewd? What does that even mean? What is this? It was kind of a weird word. And then the only thing I could think of is in Genesis, it says the serpent was the shrewdest of all animals in the garden. And I'm like, I don't know that I want to be shrewd. <laughs> Remember this? And I'm like, I don't know that this is the path I want to go down. <laughs> so talking to the Lord about it, I'm like, Lord, why, what are you... Why do, I, don't, I don't think I want to be shrewd. Um, and, uh, and, then, and then he reminds me that Jesus himself instructed his followers to be shrewd as serpents. Right. Gentle as doves, wise. Yeah. And so, and, and he, told me, he told me that for me, mostly, because I'm having this panic attack of, wait, Lord, why, why would I teach people to be shrewd if it's not a good thing, if that's what, that's what the, the serpent in the garden, but he said, be shrewd as serpents. He told his disciples to be shrewd as servants. And here again, he's saying that the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation. And then he, he gives the sons of light instruction. 
right? And he says, this is, this is, this is the way to go. Um, now, there is a difference between shrewdness and wisdom. Shrewdness is having the ability to make good decisions and, and, and make good judgments, right? That's it. That's the definition of it. Um, wisdom, right, is similar, but it's not the same because wisdom encompasses a whole lot more. Wisdom encompasses a whole lot more than just being able to make, just being able to make the right decisions in a moment, um, you know, I personally am still learning a lot about wisdom. Um, so far, what I know is it begins with the fear of the Lord. And that's as far as I've gotten. <laughs> you think it's funny? I'm just... <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. Anyway, I'm just saying, like, I, um, I, I like to be honest. Um, I like to be real with you guys. Um, that's what I know. That's, that's what I know wisdom to be. Um, it's the, it's the fear of the Lord. And I talked about this last week, um, and so that's where we're going next. The fear of the Lord is very different from being afraid of the Lord. You know that, right? The fear of the Lord is very different from being afraid of the Lord. Because when you have the fear of the Lord, you know, it... See, here we are. This is where I, like, I get stuck. The fear of the Lord, here we are. Like, how do you put that in words? Um... But, but the fear of the Lord, it, part of it is this revelation of recognizing that, that what we live in is, is temporary and that, that his kingdom is coming, right? Part of it is being submitted to the Holy Spirit because it says, because the word says that, that the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, right? But, but then Paul says that the kingdom of God is peace, joy, and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. And so what I, what I recognize in that is that the Holy Spirit's presence in this world, it, it, it brings that conviction of the fact that this is not the kingdom. And, it, and he fills us with a hope for the kingdom to come, but then also that kingdom is literally like living within us in his peace, in his joy, and in his righteousness, Right? And Jesus tells his followers, see, here we go. Here's the whole bubble map thing going on. Are you guys, everybody doing good with this? Because, because I, I don't know where I'm at or where I'm going, um, but we're doing it. Jesus told his followers to seek first the kingdom and its, I love righteousness. Um, peace and joy pieces, I'm trying to figure out. That's like wisdom to me. I'm like, what is peace and joy? What is this? Um, but seek first his kingdom and its righteousness and all the rest will be added to you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, where are we going? I told you guys. I didn't know what I was saying. I just know what I want to talk about. All right. Um, so, so what do we do? We we are we are in a world, right? And we we are surrounded by companies and individuals that are more shrewd than we are. And I can tell you they're more shrewd than we are because I'm watching them build companies, build their own empires, invest into the things that that they care for and they believe in, and and they're building up something. And I'm not saying that any of that can be greater than than the kingdom coming, but but, but the flip side of that coin is why I get so passionate about it because because I want them there too, right? Like, it'd be kind of cool to, like, be elbow to elbow with like Jeff Bezos or something and be like, tell me the story of Amazon, right? In the kingdom to come, wouldn't it? Right? Seems far off. It really does. 
because he's, he, he doesn't surround himself with, with those type of people. But, but what, what I want to see is I want to see the sons of light rise up, rise up and redeem the time. But the word says, right? Redeem the time you live in. Now, I, I am not one that really believes that I can go against the word of God. And so I'm not, I'm not sure if my goal is, is too lofty to say that we can over, that, that when he says for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light, you know, maybe, maybe that forever is true. I don't know. Haven't, haven't dug that deep into it. But what I do know is that wisdom and knowledge belong to God. And so... We believe in him. We believe he is a rewarder for those who diligently seek him, right? And so I'm coming before the Lord saying, Lord, give me wisdom. Don't just give me wealth. Give me wisdom, right? And, and, and I, I do that, and, and, and I, it's, it's a model that I'm repeating. Does anybody know who, I'm, who, who I got that from? Cool. Glad you picked up on that. Because the Lord goes to Solomon and says, ask me for anything, and then Solomon asked for wisdom. He says, you asked rightly. You could have asked for riches. You could have asked for power. You could have asked for anything. You asked for wisdom. Now the rest of it will be added to you. So I do believe that, I do know, and I do believe that those who lack wisdom, according to James, those who lack wisdom can ask of God who gives to all generously without reproach. It will be given to them if they're asking in faith with no doubting. So I come to him. I'm asking for wisdom. Does anyone else want to ask for wisdom now? Right? Because like I said, wisdom and shrewdness are similar, but they're not the same because, because, shrewdness, because shrewdness lacks so much of what wisdom has. And so the sons of light can, can rise up in this and say, Lord, give us wisdom. It doesn't matter if, this, if the sons of this world are more shrewd than us from now till the end of time. We've got wisdom, which means we have so much more than just being able to make the right decision in a moment. And, and with that wisdom... Now we can go forth and we can build wealth and we can, be, we can begin investing into the kingdom of God, an everlasting kingdom. You know you get to take part in that? You know they get to take part in building that? Jesus says, I'm preparing a place, right? That's that everlasting home he's telling them about. So he's preparing a place and what does he call us to do? Fill it with friends that will welcome us there, right? That's what he says. He says, use, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. So that's it. That's what we're supposed to do with the wealth that we're given is we're supposed to, we're supposed to make friends. And, and a lot of these terms I'm speaking in really broadly because it's, it's, it's always gonna look different. Right? It's always going to look different. There's different ways that, that, that people can be impacted, you know, through missions, through, through, through the church here, through just going down the street and, and taking a moment to notice somebody, right? To spend your time. Your time is a resource, a really valuable one, if you didn't know it. Um, to spend your time, to spend your breath, to, to spend your energy just noticing them and, and, and pouring your life into them. Uh, it can be that simple, Right? I talked I talk the other week about the little things. And so I think that's where we're going right now because, because Jesus says, he who is faithful in what is least is also faithful in much. And he who is unjust in what is least will also be unjust in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? Isn't that the goal? The true riches. That's what I want. Like that's, that's, why, that's why I I do what I do and then I'm getting up here and trying to share it with you guys because because. I want true riches. 
right? You know, I use this word wealth to, to talk about the temporary resources of this world because it's, the, it's just the word that I, that I have in my back pocket and I understand and I know and can, can define, but it's not, it's not true wealth, you know? It's not. True riches are what are in that everlasting kingdom. And you know what's, you know what's funny? We're going to like, we're, gonna about, we're about to make a big jump so everybody buckle up or something. Um, I want to share something with you guys about, what, like, on this, on this subject of true riches. I love in, in the book of Revelation when it describes the new Jerusalem, right? I mean, you've got these huge pearly white gates, and it's just adorned in jewels, and just, there's just, it's just beautiful, right? It's just, I mean, it's just filled with the glory of the Lord and His majesty, and, and even physically, like, G- Jesus is building that place to be like, hello, I'm here, right? But my favorite piece of the description personally is that the roads are gold and I'll tell you why that's my favorite piece um, because it's a it's a double entendre do you guys know what a double entendre is it's it's one word or phrase that can mean two different things but at the same time Um, and so to me when I read that I see a double entendre that the streets are paved with gold because one it it it's kind of that cherry on the cake that really tops off at just how majestic and how full of riches and wealth the, the kingdom to come is, right? Like even the streets are golden, right? But then on the, on the, the other side, of the, the second meaning that gets me is, is think about what you do on a street, right? You just walk on it, you drive on it. I don't know what we're going to have in heaven, like, but we're going to, like, it, it's just, you know, it's, not, it's nothing... It's not like a big fancy thing, and that's why you can go in the, the, the richest cities of the world, and they, they don't pave their streets with gold, right? They, they pave it with pavement, asphalt, concrete, cobblestone, whatever. Um, but they don't use gold. Why? Because gold is one of the most precious resources in this world. It is. It's one of the scarcest and most precious resources we have in this world. So there's nobody in their right mind who would pave a street out of gold unless they just are like way beyond wealth in this world and yet jesus when he's preparing a place he's like i'm paving the streets with gold not just to show off how wealthy he is to show you what he deems to be true riches he paves his streets with gold you're just going to walk on it drive on it whatever he doesn't care because that's not because that's not what what's rich to him that's not what valuable to him in his kingdom Again, he doesn't tell us to go to take the, the unrighteous mammon and build up wealth for ourselves and fill the storehouses so generations can, to come can all have wealth, can all have wealth. No, make friends for yourself that are going to welcome you in. And, and I just, I can't say it enough. Like, I, I talk a lot about money and wealth and the, and the resources of this world and, and stewarding them well and investing, but, but if they, you know, if somebody, if somebody showed me a, I mean, there's many tools. Money's, money and, and resources are just one tool, but, but I, that's just the one that he's given me, right? He's saying, here, you use this, and you do this. And, and so I'm trying to walk in it faithfully because those who are faithful with what is least will also be faithful in much. And, and that's it. You know, we, we have to be faithful with the little things. Um, and, then, and then something else I want to touch on in the midst of this is we, we need to expect that the Lord, that as we're faithful in the little things we have, that the Lord is going to grow that wealth. And that includes our money. It really does. And, and the reason I say that is because, um, is because there's, there's like, I'm not talking about anybody in particular when I say this. I, I have just, it's kind of like a, you kind of hear it through, through the airwaves that, that 
the church isn't supposed to be rich, right? I, that's something that I've, I, I've heard. And I'm like, okay, you know, it's like missionaries, they're not, they're not supposed to have a lot. Pastors are not supposed to have a lot. And, and, and it, it, it breaks my heart, honestly, because the Bible clearly says, don't muzzle the ox, a worker's worthy of their wages. And that's enough for me to say, hey, your argument's wrong. But, 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 <laughs> sorry. Uh, y'all don't, no, Rocky's with the kids. He said, he said, go get them and don't hold back. So, um, y'all can blame Rocky for this. He pumped me up. Um, no, it's true. Like that, that one verse to me is, is, is enough to say, no, that, that's, not, that's not the way that the economics of the kingdom were, were, were created. I mean, you look, at, you, look at, uh, you look at Israel in the Old Testament, and, and, and that's where they had the tithe. Um, and, and there was this law that they were all supposed to give 10%. Man, as the whole country of Israel is gaining wealth, they're giving 10% of it into the workers of the ministry. And it, and it wasn't so that, you know, like I said last week, more money is just going to make you more of who you are. If you're greedy, you become more greedy. If you're angry, you become more angry. It's just money and power, you know, thing, things of that nature, they, they, just, they, they just bring it out of you, right? And so that's why we, right, I'm bouncing around here. I hope you're keeping up with me. That's why in, in the economics of his kingdom, he's... He, the Lord has set this principle that you have a little bit and you learn how to be faithful with it, right? Because in that learning, he's molding your heart for then the more. And now you have more and you're like, oh, I already know what to do with this. I already know what to do with this. And then he gives more. You're like, oh, I already know what to do with this. And you notice I'm doing this because I've learned that when I do this, you never, you never, this is not, these are not my words. This was a pastor and I don't know her name. Saw her on the Bible app, but I cannot forget what she said. She said, you will never have more than you hold on to. But if you give away, somehow it just keeps coming back, right? And, and I can just all of a sudden just start throwing scriptures after scripture at you, you know, throw your bread on the water. Oh, where's the rolls? Do we have the rolls? Have, y'all remember that? Oh, that was fun. Um, sorry. Uh, but when you, that's why he's, he's, he's created this principle, but, but it wasn't that you were supposed to stay in the little. It wasn't. It wasn't that you're supposed to stay in the little. You don't have to be faithful there. And in that, he's, he's grooming and he's, he's molding your heart because if you, you can be extremely wealthy, if you have a, a pure and a generous heart, if you're poor in spirit, right, you can, you can have all, all the possessions of the world and yet you will just, you'll go out there and you'll try to change people's lives with it. It's not for you and you recognize that. And that goes back to wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord, right? Like I understand that it's so excuse me, at some point, my master is going to call me to come give an account of every word I said, of everything that I did, right? And, that, and, that, and when, you, when you feel that, there's some weight there, right? And it, can, it definitely can cause you to be afraid. It, 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 for me, it can. Like I, I, sometimes I get a little bit too nervous about going and doing something. I become, I become that, the, the servant who had the, the one talent that we talked about a couple weeks ago. And I go and I, I bury it because I'm afraid to lose it. Because I think if I lose it, that he's going to come back going, well, where'd it go? What's wrong with you? You can't, you're done, you know? And I, I get afraid, and he, he has to call me out of that place. He has to say, come on, like, let's, let's not be afraid. Let's, at least let's do something with it. Let's try something, something simple, you know? Put it in the bank and at least let it earn interest. And uh, no, I'll say that later. Um, sorry, if y'all don't recognize, I'm having a conversation with Holy Spirit as I'm having a conversation with you, but... Um, 
So, so, we're, so we're faithful in the little things. And I want to see the, the wealth, specifically the wealth of the church, grow. Why do I want to see the wealth of the church grow? Because then we can do what it says to do here. We can go and we can serve the world and, and let me get back into kind of a, a hard truth. So it's okay if you stop getting as responsive as you are right now. Um, <laughs> not gonna be, this isn't going to be exciting, but um, I believe that sometimes as believers, we have a tendency to, um, you, remember, you remember a few weeks ago when I talked about that you can't have authority with, with no accountability, right? Like the two, the two have, to, have to be together, otherwise somebody gets hurt. Right, if you have all the accountability, but you have no, no authority over like what's going on, like I mean, hope for the best. But if you have all the authority and no accountability for what you do, things go haywire. And 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 it is it is with the Lord. I see it in Genesis. I see it in in, in the garden in, in Genesis. You know, it says that there was no fruit because He had yet to put man there to work the garden. So man is meant to work and also benefit from the fruit that He's cultivating. Right. So the, the, there's a work and there's a reward. Right. It's the way the kingdom works. He's a rewarder. You want me to say again? He is a rewarder. And and the the church. I'm again. I was speaking broad, but but I do this myself. It becomes really easy for me to believe I miss out on a reward because I believe somebody else can, can, take, can take care of this person in need. And again, a hard truth. In, in America, we live in an incredibly blessed country, and I am extremely grateful to be here. Um, but, but in America, what I see is that is do, do the poor and the needy often go more to the church for help or to the government? Now, I, now, I'm not going into politics whatsoever this morning, not at all. But what I, what, I, what I recognize is that in the Bible, it calls us as believers to take care of those who are in need, first in our body and then outside of the body. Right, like it's it's a call, but 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 why did he? Why would he give us that work? For the reward, right? When 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 somebody's in need and you're able to show up, you get to show them who the Father is. Right. The other the other day, I was um, the other day. This is yesterday. I'm mowing my grass. Right. Really simple thing, and I'm just now in this moment realizing it was more for me than it was for who I was doing. But I'm mowing my grass, and, and the way my backyard works is it runs right into kind of the, the front yard area of, of our neighbors behind us. And so there's kind of this unspoken line that I follow. That's my property line when I, when I'm mowing and, and they mow and whatnot. And you know, it's that it's kind of we're hitting that first round of the season of, of mowing, right? So if they're like me, and, and you might be like me, you might not be, but I'm like. Three weeks ago, I'm like, gosh, I got to mow the yard. And then a week goes by, I'm like, hmm, I need to really mow the yard. And, and I'm putting it off, and, and I'm not doing it. And then, so I'm finally at it. And they had done the same thing. And so everything has grown up, and I'm back there mowing. And I start, you know, I kind of, I'm coming to that corner, and I turn on my little invisible line, and I get to the end of it, and I kind of look over. You know, I can kind of see the little path. I mean, that's how high it is. I can see the little path I've created for myself. And, and I'm looking over right? This is my yard. This is their yard. So I cut it this way, right? Go to their yard. And I just start doing just, the, just this little bit, the front of their yard. And I'm sitting there thinking like, you know, um, you, guys have, you guys have come to realize that I don't really do anything. Like everything I do is an investment, right? So when I'm doing something, I'm hoping for some kind of return, 
So I'm sitting there, like, going through my head, kind of thinking of the return that I'm getting. Oh, thank you. Like, that was so kind of you. Da, da, da. And then I start, like, this is sweet, right? I don't know. I just, anyway. I'm sitting there. This is what I'm thinking about. I'm like, man, I can't, you know, I just can't wait for this. And then it, and it, like, and it like, hits me of, like, man, when we do little things like that, for no reason, right? Nobody asked me. It wasn't really necessarily that so much they needed it, but I was sitting there like, man, this is how, this is what, this is what God does for us all the time, all the time. He does this all the time where he's just doing little things to help us, and it's like, just to show his kindness, and so I'm sitting there like, I'm like, and so about halfway through, I mean, it's not a very big space. It's literally from like the stairs to there, right? But I'm doing my little rows, and I'm thinking it through about the third row. That thought hits me, and I go, I'm showing them God's kindness. And now I've got my reward. Like, I could care less. Like, I'd like, they just, they, they got a little, just a little taste of God's kindness. And, and, and for those of you who've been around, you know that these are, these are the same neighbors behind us that when, when everything flooded, like, this church came together and, and brought gifts to them to help them restore their home. And so it's like, man, we just get to keep showing these people God's kindness. And, 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 and in that, we got, Abel loves it, we've got a, a playground now in the side yard. Guys, I don't know where this bubble map has gone, but we are just running with it, okay? Um, I am watching the clock, though, I promise. Listen. Um, playground, right? Abel has a playground. And right now, right now on that playground, right? And so we've also, we've, we've made this playground an opportunity to, to really bring together all these little families that are around us. And we tell them, you come play on that whenever you want right? It's free for them to use, just like, just like we're using it, just come and play. It's such a sweet thing, because we have, we have t- uh, you know, two young girls that live beside us, and then the family behind us, um, they have two younger boys that are, that are there on and off, um, but how old is um, Cora? She's two? No way. Okay, so they, she, they, <laughs> crazy, she has a, a, a two-year-old little girl, and so they, they're there more often, two-year-old, and right now, Across the top of this, you know how like a, uh, you know, you got the little clubhouse thing and then the big bar that the swings hang on? Right now, across the top of that, written in big, bold chalk, it says, Jesus is enough. And they're sitting there playing on that all the time. And people driving by, you can't miss it. It was like the first thing I noticed, I like pulling from work one day, and I'm like, I'm like, all right, okay. Like, I know the kids didn't do that, so, you know? But it did. I had that thought. I was like, man, you can't miss that. I love it. Like, let, it's for me and my house. We shall serve the Lord. Guys, where am I and where are we going? I have no, I have no, oh, I remember. Sorry. I told you, bubble map, and then it becomes like, what's that called where like the bubbles become more bubbles and more bubbles and, what's that? A tree map? All right. My mind works like a tree map then, not a bubble map. Sorry. That, that seems a little too organized. Um, right. So, so. What we've, what we've missed out on in that is that there are people in need, and, and, we, and we recognize that the, the greatest need is Jesus, right? And, 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 and they don't ever get to encounter that love of the Father because they're being provided for elsewhere. And, and just, just to, like, Jesus, Jesus gave me this, so I feel confident in it. In, it's in the Bible, too. Jesus performed an incredible miracle where he fed 5,000 men, plus women and children, right? I always like to include that because I wish we had the actual count, but 5,000 men plus women and children. But look at the interaction between him and his disciples before then. They're up on the hill. They say, Jesus, all these people are in need. What did he tell them? You feed them. 
You feed them. They said, send them away because if they, they need to go eat. You feed them. And, and I'm not taking away from the, from the miracle that, that Jesus performed in any way because it's like, I mean, that's, that's incredible. But, but I believe that he was trying to give them a demonstration of what it would look like when, when, when he was gone, that these crowds are going to be coming. And why are they coming? Because when you lift him up, here they come. But when you come, you come with all your needs and all your wants and, and everything. And, and you know, I, I want to see the church position themselves in such a place and when we look up, we see the multitudes with compassion, as he did. And we don't try to send them away to go get their needs met because we know they're right here. And, 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 not, only, and not only like, you know, the, the spiritual need of, of salvation and, and, and love and that compassion, but when, but, but, but when somebody's in our house that, that doesn't have, that's no problem for us, Right? We got all the storehouses of heaven to open, and there you go. You're good to go. Like, I want to see, like, like, and there's going to be a delicate balance to this, right? Because, because there's the faithful with little, and then you're given more. Faithful with little, and then you're given more. And, and there's got to be a lot of wisdom in that. And, and the Lord is, is raising up leaders in that to be, you know, never mind. We're not going to go there. We're going to end up like 17 bubbles deep and not be able to get back. <laughs> You know, that, that's, that's what I want to see, right? Like, that, that's why I talk so much about, like, wealth and, and, and money and things like that because it's not the money itself. It, it's that, that money as a, as a currency becomes this, this universal vehicle for trade. You can use money for just about anything, right? And, and, and so that's what I see. I'm like, man, this is a tool that can help the most. Remember I told you big things, right? I'm like, here's a tool that we can use to help the most amount of people do the most good and... and we got to learn how to steward that. We got to walk in that wisdom. We have to be expectant for that wealth to come to us because because this what's this what's going to happen. I mean, I don't know how else to say that, but I mean, it's this, that's what's going to happen like you know, and you get you get to have a piece in it or you, you can choose not to. I mean, it's it's all a choice. And I I personally, you know, I want to have a piece in it. And I've got I know, I'm like, I'm watching that clock pop, so I know. but I've got a couple more things to follow up because I, I, I said a lot of things and I might say a lot, of more, thing, a lot more things, but, um, but I really don't like to say anything apart from the, the word, and usually if, if, if I feel like something doesn't quite line up with the word, I usually, I won't say it um, until, I can, until I can back it up with the word, until I can find it in the word. Um, and so, so I want to, touch on what I was just talking about, about people in need being able to come into the church and, and have all their needs met, right? Well, in James, it talks about this. He says, what is, you know, what is faith without works? And listen to the example he gives. If there's a brother or sister that is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, right? Real sweet, they got peace, but depart in peace, be warm and filled. But you, you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Right, so there's there's the scripture for that. I was like going so fast, and um, I, I'm just like we're gonna we're gonna double back to this. Um, I don't even know why this one is, is in here. I just like Proverbs, especially when they deal with wealth. So Proverbs thirteen twenty two says, "A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous." So there's a there's a good truth. 
going back to what I was saying earlier. Um, oh, this is it. Um, I, pull, I, pulled this, I pulled this verse up. I guess we're going to end with this. Okay. Um, I, I pulled this verse up, speaking about this, this should the church be rich or should the, the, the church be poor? And, and I recognize, too, that, that there's been a lot, of, a, a lot of hurt that has happened in the history of the church um, that, that, has been, that has been due to, to wealth or for the, for the greed of wealth and, and things of that nature. But the Bible tells us that the love of money is the root of all evil. And like I said, you know, Gaining, gaining more money or gaining more power or more influ- influence is just going to make you more of who you are. So we, we, you know, somebody came to Jesus one time and said, should we pay taxes? He said, whose face is on it? Caesar, right? Well, then give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. That's your heart if you uh, missed that. So, um, but, but, geez, help me, Lord. Um, I'm like trying to scramble for the time. Okay, uh, a lot of times I hear this verse used in that argument that the church ought to be poor, and it is that Jesus himself, Jesus made himself poor, right? And they, they pull that from, from 2 Corinthians 8, where it says, uh, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That's what they'll say, right? But the verse, has, the verse in, in, in itself has more to it, and then if you were to study the whole context of it, you, you learn even more, but sticking to the this verse, it says, he became poor that through his poverty, or that, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. That you might be, he became poor so that you might be rich. And now I, you know, I understand that, that in this is saying that he became poor, meaning that, that being himself, being God, he became man. It says that he, knowing no sin, became sin, that we might know the righteousness of Christ. Sounds very similar to this verse. He became poor so that we might become rich. And so it would be easy to read this verse and say, well, when it talks about us becoming rich, it, you know, it's not really talking about money, right? And I would agree with that. I don't think it, I don't think it is that that word rich just encompasses money or, or wealth or finances. But if you use the argument on the back end of that verse, you also must use the argument on the front end of that verse, knowing, saying that, that when it's talking about Jesus being rich or being poor, it had nothing to do with his possessions, right? And, and, and so this is, this, is what I, this is what I'll end with, which will be kind of a wacky way to land this. Um, I feel like I'm flying a cruise ship. Have you guys ever tried to land a cruise ship on an on a airstrip? I don't know. Any help here? Anybody? No? Okay. The Lord told me something really good about that verse, which I couldn't help myself to change it. And what he told me was that even if Jesus, when he was on this world, possessed all the wealth this world could have offered, all the wealth, it was all his anyway, right? And so maybe there's the argument that it wasn't his possession, but not going down that road right now. If he had physically possessed all the wealth of this world when he was, when he was here, he still would have been extremely poor compared to where he came from. And that, now we're going, yeah, preach, it's 12 to 10, thanks. Um, <laughs> she's saying preach, someone else is going to lunch. Um, that someone else is me, I'm like, oh, okay. Um, oh, oh, true riches, right? That's what, we're all, that's what we're here to talk about. I said it a million times, right? So, so even if he had possessed all the wealth in the world, like he could have come in here in all the splendor that 
and more than what Solomon had, right? Like he, he could have chosen that path and he didn't, but even if he had, he still would have been poor compared to what was in heaven with his father. And those, that's the, that's the true, that's the true riches. And, and goodness gracious, we could be here for a week. And, and understand that, that, that when we speak of those true riches, it, you know, the, the kingdom of God is obviously a city. Cities need an economy, right? Like, if, you, if you're waiting for that day that you get to go to heaven because, because you're done with your job and, whew, thank the Lord, like, you know, just know that, that he's, tra- he's training you up for something. I don't, how do you say that, right? He is, he's training you up for something. What, like, listen, okay, if, if somebody can come show me a Bible verse that will tell me that I'm wrong and that this is what we're gonna do in heaven all the time and just, like, I know we're gonna be worshiping him for eternity. Hold on, don't hear me wrong. But if you're gonna tell me that I get to go to heaven and just, ooh, and I get to just do this all the time, and it's like, like, I want to work. I love to work. Like, I, I love it. Like, because men, oh, man, I told you we could be here for a week. How do I land this? Um, there's an economy in heaven, period. An economy needs inputs and outputs. The inputs come from the people in the economy, right? This is like economics 101. If you haven't heard it before, there's an economy in heaven, and we get to take part in it here Right, we get to build build it up. I, there was once a teacher that told me, um, he told me this story, and he said that, uh, wow, this is like getting stringed out. He had a friend that everywhere he went, if he's walking down the street, he's, he, he'd pick up trash that he would see. He'd pick up trash. And so one day, you know, this teacher looks at his friend, he's like, dude, what are you doing? And the friend said, I don't want to do it when we get there, so I'm going to do it now. <laughs> right? Those who are faithful with little, be given more. And, 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 and just, just understand, like, Jesus said heaven and, and, and earth will pass away, but not one dot or tittle. Of that, of his word. He, Jesus is the word, right? Man, a whole different sermon we could get into. But it's not, it's not going away, and so, so he's, trying to, he's trying to train us up. We're, we're children. He's trying to train us up. Teach us to be faithful with those little things, you know. In that, I'll tell you, find what you love to do right? Find what you love to do and, and figure out how to make money doing it. You got a hard time with that, come see me because that's like what the, world, that's like what the Lord wired me to do is figure out how to make money doing just about anything. Um, but, but, but do what you love, right? Do what you love. Train yourself, train yourself up in that. Like Jennifer, you're doing pottery and it's going to be amazing to see the cups and plates and bowls and, and, and all I know is I, I just want one of your coffee cups in the kingdom of heaven. That's all I know because those things are beautiful. <laughs> You know, like, find something you love to do. It doesn't necessarily have to be your job, but, but, but he's training you up in those things. And so sow into those things. Invest into those things and, and begin investing in his kingdom, right? Begin now investing in his kingdom. And, and you know, you can do it financially, right? We've got three ways to give. <laughs> We're getting the little things down. Um, you can. And, and if I can be so bold to say, like, you know, coming into the church and... and and tithing is, is a lot like when the, when the master told the parable with the talent to put his money in the bank, right? Because it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, pretty, it's a pretty safe investment into the kingdom that, you, that you, you, you sow it into a church that you trust. And what I love so much about, about this church specifically, and, and I'm sure there's others that do it, is that this church tithes. 
It's so cool. I like never even would have thought of that. I don't, I don't know where the idea came from, but everything that comes in, 10% of it goes to missionaries that we regularly support. And we have a, we have a list of them and where they're at and what they're doing. And so, we're, so, those, those, so that little seed that comes in to this church, so your, your 10%, that little seed comes into this church and then it gets, you know, and then collectively and then we take a chunk of that and it goes over here all these nations and it's it's incredible right like that's but that's the the economy is of heaven is like if you have more than you need like then you, then you give it away because when you need it's going to come right back um cool uh you can hit the keys i don't know oh uh-oh So I just wanted to say something. The Lord's really putting something on my heart, but I don't know if you've recognized or not, but Matthew was obviously walking in an anointing and a gifting for finance and also wisdom in that. And so a lot of what he touched on today, it's, it's a cultural shift for us as a body of Christ. And so sometimes we sit back and we have our old thinking that is keeping us held back from what God wants to do in this new moving forward. And so us as the body of Christ need to shift where God's wanting to shift. And this word is a very timely word for where we're going. And so I don't want you just to sit back and just be like, oh, that was a nice word or whatever, but actually grab a hold of what God is doing right now because he's shifting all of us into a place where he said earlier through the word about those out there in the world need to come to the church. They need to get God and they need to have, we need to have the resources for them. You know, it's more than the monetary stuff. It's the fullness of Christ. And so I just feel in part of that, I'm going to hand it over to Matthew, but Matthew is going to release this as a prophetic word over our body to rise up and stand in what he's calling us to steward and to do. And so um, if you want to receive that and you want to shift into whatever God has that's limitless and fear will not hold you back, I mean, I'm shaking so hard because I feel the power of God in this. And so I just invite you to stand up so that we can release in faith that says, yes, God, I want to be your person. I want to be in the move of what you're doing in your kingdom works. I want to be a solution because Jesus is the solution. I don't want to hold back any longer. I don't want fear to hold me from stepping out. Change our mindsets, God, that we have kingdom thinking. And so, Matthew, if you'll pray over us and release that anointing, we are ready to receive. Thanks, Mama. Hold on, I can't, I can't pray for you guys yet until I honor her because she's a walking example of what it looks like to just, to just be faithful in the little things and, and the reward that it brings. Like, you, I, I don't know if you can. I know I can't because, because I wasn't there. Like, the, the hours that, that, that this woman spent praying for me is like, 
And it's just a little bit. The five minutes here she thinks of me. The five, and I know she's still doing it, which, and it keeps adding up. And the, and the amount of time that she's been praying for my family, like, it's, it's the only reason I'm here. Like, if y'all don't know my testimony, it's, it, her son is, is Jordan, who is now, um, yeah, Oman, thank you. He, he's, he's over in the Middle East, and he, he's doing the same thing, but he's the one who brought me to this church in the first place. Like, um, and that was a lot of prayer. <laughs> coming here right and all of a sudden like so so it's just those, those little things and they go bigger and they go bigger and they go bigger um and i'm gonna be honest i'm stalling because i don't know how to pray for you guys so here we go um okay thank you yes i do okay <laughs> i got all the mamas coming for me now like oh don't walk over to that side bro oh i don't know where where do i go okay well that's okay. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't do it standing. I can't do it standing up, though. I know you guys are standing, but I can't. Um, well, Lord, I know that every good and perfect gift comes from you. That you are the Father of lights, in whom there is no shadow variation. You are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I know the things that you did then, you will do now. Don't you tell me he can't do it. You don't know that song, do you? Uh, Too Good to Not Believe? Hit it. Okay. Um, Father, we, we come before you recognizing that we are, we are stewards of what we have and, and we want to do it well. That our goal is to stand before you and to hear you say, well done. To hear you say that that you're proud of us and that we've done what you, you called us to do. And, and I believe, Lord, in that, that you give us every skill and every resource we need to accomplish that purpose that you have made us for and that you've set us in. I believe that even for our missionaries that are not here, but they're, they're overseas, Lord, that you're providing every skill, new language, um, a, sense of, a sense of trust, with those who are local in that country. And, and most of all, you're providing them with the finances they need to provide for themselves and their family, the food they need to eat, the, the housing they need to live in. God, I thank you for, for our missionaries who choose to go. I thank you that your word says that anyone who leaves their father, their mother, their sister, their brother, if they leave their home and their friends behind for your sake, that they will receive a hundredfold and eternal life. And Lord, here we are asking only one thing that you would use us and that in using us, you would equip us. Equip us with the money we need. Equip us with, equip us with the, the clothing that we need. Guys, I, I just as I'm praying, I'm reminded of what, of what Jimmy did this past winter where he wanted to go give coat, coats out to those, those in need and, and he goes to the store and he bought, he bought four times the coats for half the price. That's the economy of God when you step into the little of things. And so God, release that more and more in our body. Those who are in need. God, I ask that you would bring forth their needs no matter how great or how small, whether it's a, a, a car whether it's a house, whether it's simply just a, a new friendship 
that brings life, a, a better place to spend their time and to be investing their time. God, I ask that you bring it forth. But Lord, I, I know what, what I was made for and, and I know that you have called me to a certain purpose. And so God, I ask that you would release the finances of heaven in my life and in, in the life of each of these in this body. Because, Lord, I believe you when you said that, that you were bringing forth health and you were bringing forth wealth. And it's for these purpose. It's for this purpose that all those who come into your house would have what they need, whether that's, whether that's their bodies need to be healed, whether it's, whether it's you know, they need their, their fridge to be filled. It, it, it doesn't matter, Lord. You are ready to provide. So we, we come before you. We say, send us. Make us your hands and feet. And give us, God, give us your wisdom. Give us your wisdom to be good stewards of the wealth that you place in our possession. God, I ask for creative wisdom to be able to take excess resources and, and see them sown into this body and into the community around us in such a way that men would see the good works and they would glorify you in heaven, Father. God, I, I specifically, I, I pray over our pastors. And God, I pray according to your word and even the word that, that you have given them that you are gonna restore the years that the locusts have devoured. And you're gonna do it in their finances and in the finances of this church and the resources of this church. And God, I pray that you would give, you would give both of them and each of them wisdom and how to steward those resources that you're bringing into this house. God, I, I pray over all those who help serve and, and lead in this house, our elders, our deacons, our, our worship team, our uh, um, Generation Kids team, God. I, I'm praying over all of these who have faithfully been serving with their time and with their energy, and they've been giving and they've been investing. And Lord, I believe that... that they will have a reward in that. I also believe that your word says that a worker is worthy of their wages. And so God, I'm asking that you would release the resource in this house that those who work in this house would have wages. Because I know that's what you wanna do. I know you told me that's what you wanna do. I know that you wanna see the people in this house giving their time. Be like the priests of Israel who devoted their whole lives to not, not have to worry about where their next meal is coming from or how to pay the bills because they're being provided for. And all they need to, all they need to do is just focus on serving in your house. But that's where you set them. So God, I ask that you release an abundance, an abundance, God. And teach us how to steward this abundance. Give us what you have for us in this season and teach us how to be faithful with it and expect it for the more that will come by being faithful with little. Jesus, I thank you. And ultimately, let it all be for your glory. And let people come into this house. Let them see you. Cause their hearts to fall in love with you. And God, I ask not just in this house, but in all of, all of Asheville, 
Swannanoa, Black Mountain, Hendersonville, Canton, Candler, Weaverville, all the surrounding areas, God, that your presence would be known. And that we would see, we would see this city and we would see this region come in to salvation. That we would have many friends to sit around the table and to welcome us into an everlasting home that is your kingdom. Jesus, we love because you loved and we give because you gave. So we thank you.